The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars Popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymore, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. The Reluctant Teacher This is the story of St. Jean-Baptiste de La Salle, founder of the great teaching order called the Brothers of the Christian Schools, but known all over the world simply as the Christian Brothers. Yet this tremendous life work was thrust upon him almost by chance. In 1680, Jean-Baptiste de La Salle was canon of the Cathedral of Rouen, second in command to the Archbishop and in his own right, a wealthy man and a famous scholar. One day, two young men came to see him. Forgive us, Canon de La Salle. Not at all, Bartholomew. I'm always glad to see you. And you, Nicholas. I'm afraid you won't be this time, Canon. Oh? It's the school. We're afraid that we'll have to give up. We can't do it, Canon. Two more of the teachers are going to leave. And they can't be blamed, either. Well, I'm sorry to hear this. Very sorry. I thought things were going quite well. I know you haven't very much time to spare for us, Canon. When you offered to feed and clothe us in return for instructing the poor children of Rouen, it seemed like a wonderful thing. After all, we're not Latin scholars, and we could never find a place teaching in private schools. The trouble is, there's no discipline. Some young man comes along and offers to join us, lives here at your expense for a while, and then drifts away. How can we work out a curriculum and keep the children to it when when we never know how many teachers we'll have next week? Certainly that is a handicap. I'm afraid I hadn't thought of that aspect of it. And even the children don't respect us. The well-to-do youngsters mock at us in the street, call us the beggar teachers. Well, so we are, Nicholas. I don't mind that, but it does make it hard to maintain discipline in class sometimes. 
And yet, the children are so eager to learn, Canon. It's pathetic to think what a difference our teaching can make in their lives. But what can I do, my dear Bartholomew? Free schools for the poor are desperately needed. I had hoped that in this way we could achieve it. Canon de la Salle, if we were a religious order... Ah, yes. Yes, I can see. Well, that would make a great deal of difference. Oh, it would make all the difference, Canon. We could train our young men as teachers and solicit arms, which we could use to rent a suitable house. And we'd have some standing in the community. Yes, but it's not so easy to become a recognized order, Nicholas. There are only a handful of you. And some, perhaps, wouldn't want to submit to religious rule. Yes, that's true, but there would be others who would join us if we were an order and not just the beggar teachers. Well, I'm afraid it would be very difficult to persuade His Holiness to recognize you under the circumstances, Bartholomew. You'd have to demonstrate not only that there was a great need for your work, but also that you were the best qualified to do it. We know that, Canon de la Salle. But if you were to consent to be our head... I? Yes, His Holiness would realize then that we were serious. But, my dear young men, I am a secular priest. I have my own work to do. Is it as important as bringing Christ's teachings to his poor, Canon de la Salle? But I... If you could realize what it means. Those poor children grow up without a chance of bettering themselves. They become criminals for want of honest occupation. And often die without ever so much as once hearing of Christ and his love for them. Isn't their salvation worth doing, Canon de la Salle? Of course, of course. You but... told us how great was the need when you started the whole project, Canon. Yes, I know. Of course, we're not rich and respectable. We quite understand that for you it would be a tremendous sacrifice. Well, let me think about it for a little while. We'll pray for you, Canon de la Salle. God will show you what to do. It was a difficult decision for Jean-Baptiste to make, to sacrifice his career, to give up comfort and the companionship of his intellectual and social equals, all to become the leader of a band of beggar teachers, which might easily fail of its purpose altogether. He poured out his heart in prayer, and always he came back to the certainty that the need existed, and perhaps in his hands lay the means. How could he turn his back on the work which God had shown him? My brothers, for so hereafter we shall be, I have sent to His Holiness a copy of our rule and an outline of the work we intend to do. It will depend on how well we succeed, whether in due time we are accepted. And moreover, I have at last some good news. We are about to have a real seminary. That is good. Wonderful news. Yes. The parish priest of St. Hippolyte has agreed to rent us a house which he owns. It's a big house, big enough for classes and to house our novices while they learn our ways of teaching. Brother Nicholas. Yes, Brother Jean-Baptiste? You will have charge of the seminary. What, me? I'm sure you'll make an excellent administrator. Everything depends now on recruiting young men and training them properly. The children, God knows, are waiting for us.
For a time, everything went along splendidly. The seminary flourished. Novices joined, new schools were opened, and people began to recognize the black habit and wide-brimmed hat of the Christian brothers. And then... It can't be true, Brother Jean-Baptiste. I won't believe it. It is true. But Brother Nicholas, of all people, he knows what this will mean to us. He knows. God forgive him, Brother Bartholomew, he knows. But when the good priest at St. Hippolyte left him the house in his will... He didn't mean it as a personal bequest. He meant it for us, for the order. He did not say so in the will, Brother Bartholomew. He simply left it to Brother Nicholas. Legally, it belongs to Brother Nicholas, and that is that. I can't understand it. Brother Nicholas, of all people to betray us. He was greatly tempted, Brother Bartholomew. All his life he's been poor and insecure. All at once he has property. And with his training, he can begin to earn excellent fees by turning the house into a private school for wealthy children. But his vows, he belongs to our order. No man can be held in God's service against his will, brother. We must not judge him. But what is to become of us? God won't forget us, brother. We'll manage somehow. Now there's something more urgent to discuss. Lately, I've been thinking hard about our teaching methods. Why? Is there anything wrong? Well, not wrong, exactly. Well, of course, the classes are much too large. We know that. But what can we do? If we turn away even one child who wants no, to no, learn... No, no, it's more than that. If classes are too large, then we must change our teaching methods to cope with them. But we'll come to that in a moment. What I'm wondering is, what are we teaching these children? Why, just what every school teaches, as far as we can manage it. Yes, that's just it. These children are the poorest of the poor. Yet if one of them wished to study for the priesthood, he could easily obtain instruction. We aren't training young priests, you see. We're trying to give a glimpse of knowledge to youngsters who will grow up to be simple laborers, shopkeepers, plain citizens. Now, isn't that true? Yes, of course. Yet what do we teach? Just what is taught to wealthy youngsters who will eventually go to court or enter diplomacy or one of the learned professions. Now, that doesn't seem very sensible. I never thought of it that way. Most of our youngsters can't afford to stay with us very long, even though we charge no fees. They have to start work long before they can finish a really complete education. Shouldn't we be teaching them their own language, for instance, and uh, arithmetic, such as they'll need in business, perhaps geography and history, so that they'll know something of the world in which they live? It's very unorthodox, Brother Jean-Baptiste. I think we'll try it. Now, about these overcrowded classes, the trouble is, I suppose, that each child very seldom gets a chance to recite. Well, that's it. Sometimes it takes weeks for a teacher to work all the way through the class on a single assignment. Uh, but suppose each child, instead of reciting the whole assignment, only gave a part of it. Uh, reading, for instance, each child reads one sentence. Yes, but then they'd only have to prepare one sentence. Uh -huh. They won't know which sentence they'll be called upon for, so they'll have to prepare the whole thing, won't they? Oh, I guess I suppose they would. Well, yes, of course they would. Well, it seems to me that it's worth trying. So let's get to work on a new curriculum, Brother Bartholomew, and try out our new system. We'll miss Brother Nicholas. He'd have been a wonderful help in this. I still can't understand it. God forgive him. Poor Brother Nicholas. <laughs> Thank you.
the innovations proved to be triumphantly successful. The Christian brothers had discovered the basic principles of modern school teaching. And presently their results were so obvious that parents who could well afford to pay the fees of private schools were begging the brothers to admit their children. This was always refused. But the secular schools heard of it and it roused them to action. In Paris, where the brothers had established a new and most successful school, de La Salle was summoned before the city magistrate. Your brother Jean-Baptiste de La Salle of the so-called Christian brothers. The brothers of the Christian schools? Yes, I am, my lord. Your uh, order is also called the Ignorantines, I think. Yes, occasionally. And why that? Because we do not accept theologically trained novices, I suppose. From what I hear, it seems a very good name for you. You presume to teach school, I understand. For the very poor. Poor or not, you set yourselves up as teachers. How many of your order hold degrees from any recognized university, may I ask? Only myself, my lord judge. Then what qualifications have the rest of you as teachers? Our brothers love children, and they love God's poor. That's very interesting. I suppose you realize that in a respectable school, a teacher is supposed to have some pretensions to scholarship. It isn't difficult to know more than a six-year-old waif who has never seen a book or a pen. Moreover, our brothers are by no means uneducated. They simply are not Latinists. Yes, I'm informed that you don't teach Latin, nor the classics, or in fact any of the things which a proper school regards as essential. That is so, my lord judge. We don't think them essential for the children of poor working men. And why should such children need any education? All knowledge is good, my lord judge. Our children learn to read and write French and such things as may help them in earning a living. And above all, they learn Christian doctrine. They can learn that from the sermons in church. Not unless they come to church, my lord. And unless they have learned to know and love Christ, why should they go to church at all? Now, see here, brother. I suppose you have a right to be called brother. Our order has not yet been formally recognized by the church. I thought as much. I have here a great many complaints that your so-called schools are attracting pupils from honest, respectable schoolmasters who have studied long and have a right to earn a living as teachers. We take no child whose parents can afford to pay the fees of a private school. You expect me to believe that? It is the truth. We make very careful inquiry. And in fact, your so-called schools are not schools at all in any proper sense of the term. They are turning out youngsters who will think themselves educated and therefore want to rise above their natural station in life. Oh, I don't believe that is so, my lord judge. Nonsense. It's inevitable. These schools, they're dangerous. Teaching the sons of ditch diggers to read and write. Why not? Why not? because it was never intended that ditch diggers should be educated. It's against all social decency. It is neither against God's law nor man's, my lord judge. And that's where you're wrong, brother. It is against the law in Paris to teach without proper qualifications. You and your so-called order can get out of Paris and stay out. But, but you can't do that. Out by tomorrow's Sunday. I protest. We must at least have time to gather up our belongings. Your possessions will remain where they are. They'll go to pay the fine. God forgive you, my lord. 
Never mind your impudence. Take your beggarly, pretended teachers out of Paris, or I'll double the fine and hold you until it's paid. It was a bitter blow. Wearily, de La Salle and his brothers returned to Rouen, where they were still welcome. Months passed, and then one day de La Salle summoned Brother Bartholomew. God be praised, Brother Bartholomew. Good news at last. What is it? A letter from Marseille, from a nobleman there. He's heard about us, and he invites us to set up a school. But suppose the same thing happens as in Paris. It won't. This count has heard all about that, and he assures me that the city council is eager to make us welcome and give us whatever help they can. It's an answer to a prayer. Yes, of course it is. God takes care of us always, Brother Bartholomew even if we can't quite understand his ways sometimes. And that isn't all. You remember that pleasant young man who called on me a day or two ago? Oh, yes, yes. His name was Clement, wasn't it? Clement, yes. He's very wealthy, I understand. And while he doesn't seem to be very intelligent, he seems to have a wonderfully good heart. Did he offer us arms? Yes, a princely sum. I urged him that it was much too much... But he told me that he'd had it laid on him as a penance to do something very charitable, and he thought we would be the right solution. He says we can call on him for the money whenever we need it. Oh, the tide is turning, Brother Jean-Baptiste. I wonder what Brother Nicholas thinks now. Hmm. Poor Brother Nicholas, to have given up so much for greed and to die in just five months. God have mercy on him. Well, now whom shall we send to Marseille? Indeed, it seemed that the tide had turned. Calais, Dijon, Saint-Denis sent to invite the brothers. The very publicity of the trial in Paris seemed to have spread the word of their work all over France. The order received formal recognition at last. And de La Salle found himself overwhelmed with the work of organization in a dozen different places. Then one day... I tell you, brother, I've just changed my mind, that's all. But... But why? Oh, oh never mind that. I've just changed my mind, that's all. But Clement, I... I don't understand this at all. You promised the money of your own free will, and we've spent it. Well, it's too bad. I'm sorry about the whole thing, brother, but there it is. You can't have the money. But you don't seem to understand. The order has gone into debt on the strength of your promise. What can we do? Look, I tell you, I've changed my mind. I'm sorry, and that's all I can say. Have you suffered losses, Clement? No. Oh, no, no, it's not that. Then your promise to God is to be broken for no reason at all? Well, I suppose I may as well tell you. My family, my mother and my brothers, they don't approve. Not at all. They're furious. I suppose I should have told you at once, but I kept hoping you just wouldn't ask for the money. After all, it was months ago that I got into this. Clement, this money you promised us is a debt you owe to God. You can spare it easily, although to us it means a debt which will take us years to pay. It will hamper our work for years... Do your people understand this? They say I was a fool. I suppose I was. I'm sorry for you, Clement. But 
For the sake of the order, I have no alternative. We must hold you to your promise. You mean in court? What else can I do? Our work must go on. Well, it won't do you any good. I'll deny everything. I can't believe, Clement, that you will blacken your soul by lying under oath. It is painful enough to see that you are ready to dishonor a promise made to God. The suit was a mistake. Young Clement perjured himself without a quiver of shame. And the court was forced to decide that de la Salle was guilty of attempted extortion. The fine was enormous, but worse by far was the effect upon the reputation of the order. De la Salle spent many hours in prayer, trying to determine what he must do. And at last he sent for Brother Bartholomew. Brother Bartholomew, you are the new superior of the brothers. Impossible. Yes, Brother Bartholomew. I am retiring. It's not fair. It isn't right. Perhaps not, Brother Bartholomew, but there it is. I'm an obstacle now to the progress of the work. If I go, you others can live down the disgrace I brought upon you. You? Because that young scoundrel Clement... Well, unfortunately, no one believes that. I could not believe that he would take such a risk to his immortal soul. Now, I feel that I was wrong to put him in such a position. But the order must not suffer for my poor judgment. But after all your years of work, after all you've done... It has succeeded, Brother Bartholomew. That is reward enough. And now it is for you to go on with the work. Pray for us, Brother Jean-Baptiste. Always. Every day and every hour, my brother. God be with you. And God was with the Christian brothers. Within two years, the order had spread all through France. And it became so flourishing that some of the houses wished to become independent. In this crisis, Brother Bartholomew turned to de la Salle and begged him to return and fight for the integrity of the order. Reluctantly, an old and weary man came to Paris to talk with the ecclesiastical and civil authorities. Gentlemen, it is not only the children of France who need teachers. There are poor children in every land. This work, which we have begun in France, is only the start. The order must grow and spread everywhere. And how can it do so unless it is an order subject to the same rule and discipline in every corner of the earth? I am an old man, and I shall not see it. But I know it will happen. God has permitted me to know this. And in this knowledge, I forget all disappointments and sorrows. The order will bring the word of God to little children in every land and teach them to love the child of Bethlehem. 
It was for this I was born, and I am humbly grateful to God for his goodness. Allow the order to go on as he shall direct, and the little children will bless you with the blessings that God delights to hear. It happened exactly as Brother Jean-Baptiste foretold. Within two centuries, the black-robed Christian brothers were beloved teachers in 57 countries of the world. And at this very day, more than 400,000 pupils know and love the brothers who teach them. Here, surely, is the tremendous living monument to the saint who fought with courage and devotion a battle which he had not chosen, for a reward which he could not share, and found therein the infinite grace of God and the crown of sanctity. listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony's Shrine, Graymore. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymore. Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.